The following is a King's Chapel, Alaska presentation with Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passions making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's call and help us be the personal, powerful, permeating church God's called us to be. For more information, visit kcalaska.com or find us on Facebook. Here's Pastor Daniel. All right. God is good, isn't he? Well, take your Bibles, won't you, as we get into the Word tonight. Pastor Alex, super blessed by worship. Thank you, Jesus. How many of you need some help? How many fellows out there need a little bit of help to get some extra points with your lady? All right, Ma- Matthew, let's all stand up. But while you're, while you're standing, let me just... Uh, Here's a couple points. This is from 101 Ways to Score Points with Your Woman. Number 31, wash her car. Uh, 32, wash your car and clean up the interior before you go on a date. Make sure you take showers and wear cologne she likes. That's probably a good idea. Amen. Take her side when she's upset with someone. when she's sharing number 37 we're just skipping around just for fun we'll, we'll read the word in a second <laughs> be patient when she's sharing don't look at your watch or your phone <laughs> display affection in public <laughs> oh this is a good one here's a good one Here's a good one. When you're holding hands, don't let your hand go limp. <laughs> All right. Learn what her favorite drinks are so you can offer her a choice of the ones that, she know, that you know she already likes. Oh, that's a good one. Suggest different restaurants for going out. Don't put the, the burden of figuring out where to go on her. Oh, feel the Holy Ghost. Come on, somebody. Praise God. (laughs) Okay, okay. Uh, 49's a good one. (laughs) Buy her outfits. Take her shopping. Take pictures on special occasions. Take short romantic getaways. Don't just have pictures of her on the phone. Listen to this. Don't just have pictures of her on your phone. Have pictures in your wallet. That's old school. That's old school. All right, just a couple more. We're almost done. Uh, 
When you're going out, ask if there's anything that she wants you to pick up at the store and then remember to pick it up. <laughs> okay. All right. That's all for now. Matthew chapter 14. How many of you are there? Matthew 14. Hurry up. Take your time. Matthew 14, 22. Matthew chapter 14, verse 22, New International Version tonight. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had dismissed them, he went up onto a mountainside by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone. But the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. And when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Everybody say it. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. And Peter got down out of the boat and walked on the water and came towards Jesus. Come on, let's pray. Father, thank you for what you're going to do tonight. We'll be sure to give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I love this passage of scripture. You may be seated. I've preached from it more times than I can possibly count. And as we look through scripture, here in the New Testament, there's two people that walked on the waters, Jesus and Peter. And Peter had a way of putting his foot in his mouth on a regular basis. Anybody felt like Peter before? But, I mean, he's the only guy that ever walked on water, and that's pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing that, yeah, he put his foot in his mouth, and he said, oh, I'll never leave you. Then he ran like a girl, you know, and I'm a little girl, you know. He, he cursed the Lord. He was, he was, he had a pride issue. But you can't get away from the fact that he's the only other dude that walked on water. He defied the laws of nature. This text has always challenged me. I believe God has got us in a place where we're going to move out and walk on water in a greater way. I will never forget a number of years ago with Dr. Morocco. I, he, he called all of us extension pastors. And back in that, that day, we were, I don't know, we were probably 20 or 30 churches back then. He called up the, the extension pastors in the Hawaiian Islands, and he had us fly to Oahu. And we met him in a supermarket. The supermarket was operating, functional in Neo Valley. And there was shoppers and people buying groceries and all kinds of stuff, and we met over in the deli section. And we had just signed the paperwork to purchase the shopping center. There was some at that time, I remember when we voted, we had, a, we had a business meeting and people were like, that's out of your mind, don't do it. I mean, there was people that said, don't do it. But there was far and above a majority that said, go for it. 
Well, we went for it, and we had a building payment, really without a significant congregation there, of give or take about $150,000 a month. That's a big bill with no church. But we did it at the word of the Lord, and it was terrifying. I mean, I remember going, really, are we really, wow, Jesus, wow, really? I mean, we didn't have the income to do that. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I mean, it, was, it was totally by the word of the Lord. And I remember meeting with him, and we were gathered at the, Dale, at the deli section, pastors and staff, and he says, we've signed the paperwork, and... Um, this is ours. On such and such a day, we will take possession of it, begin the renovation project. And he was, I mean, he was so serious. I'm looking at him going, whoa. What and what it feels like to sign on the dotted line to commit to pay for, actually, I think it was 165. Don't quote me. It was years ago. But 150, 165. What's the difference when you only have lint? When you have lint in your pocket, doesn't matter. What's 15 grand? You know, no big deal. And he was so serious. And I'm, I'm looking at him going, dude, I wonder what that's like. I'm feeling it a little bit, but I wonder what he's feeling. And I'm like, wow. And he said, we're going to pray. I want you to walk up and down the aisles. I want you to pray in the Holy Ghost. I want you to believe God. We're going to build a great church here. God's given us this place. It's a miracle. It's going to be awesome. We're going to, let's pray. And so he said, okay, just go. Go in all the corners. Walk through the whole place. Just... Walk up and down the aisle. So I, I'm walking with somebody, and I see Dr. Morocco turn and head down an aisle all by himself. He kind of walks like this. And as he's walking, he was about a quarter of the way down the aisle. I thought, man, I wonder what he's... And I thought, what are you, stupid? I ran up next to him, so I walked with him. <laughs> and we're kind of bumping shoulders, and he's praying in the spirit... And I'm praying in the spirit, and I'm kind of looking at him. It's like a little boy walking with dad. I'm like, man, this is awesome. Praise God. I said, uh, so, pastor. He goes, yeah. I said, so, what you feeling right now? <laughs> he said, that's irrelevant. That's what he says. That's what he said to me. That's irrelevant. I said, oh. He said, he says, that's irrelevant. And he stops and he looks at me and says, we are engaged. And I was like, oh, what is that? What does engaged mean? We got out of the boat. We've been walking on water. We've been walking on water far before we got to that place. And I remember in a staff meeting, we were talking about walking on the water and he said this to the staff. He says, it does not matter whether you're on a foot of water or 20 feet. It's still walking on the water. I want to talk to you about moving in the supernatural. Being used by God to do miraculous things. To see the vision that God's given you for your life. And corporately that God's given us for KC. To brought to fruition. How is that going to happen? How are we going to see a hundred extensions in the mainland, mainland, in the continental U.S.? How's that going to happen? 
How, how are we going to take our state? How are we going to see a, a revival ensue here in the United States of America, in, in, our, in our own state, in our family? How's that going to happen? Let's look at the text here. We're going to look closely at it, understand what Peter did is going to help us to do the same thing, to walk on the water. Come on, somebody say, I'm going to walk on the water. I'm going to walk on the water. Now say it corporately. We, we are going to walk on, we are already, and it's going to get deeper, but it just requires faith and the principles that you'll see right here in the text. Jesus walking on the water is told in three gospels, but it's only here in Matthew that we see and we read about Peter walking on the water. It's only in Matthew that Peter as Peter talks about walking on the water. Jesus fed the 5,000 in order to prevent the people from crowning him king, which is what they wanted to do. He sends the disciples away and he goes up and he prays. Now, it says he fed 5,000. Scholars say, well, there's probably wives and they weren't counted back in that day. So that's 10,000 and they probably had some of their kids. It's very possibly 20,000 people were fed. And they, they knew about the prophecies of Messiah. And they basically were like, dude, this is the man. I mean, how do you feed 20,000 people? Let's crown him king and kick the Romans out. And so he wasn't time for that. It was his first advent. He's going to split the eastern sky, and that's when we'll have world peace when he comes. And up until then, there'll be wars, rumors of wars and everything that we're experiencing the birth pains even now. But he sends his disciples in a boat and he goes up on a mountain and he prays. And in fact, you will find the life of Jesus, would many say that he probably prayed anywhere between five and six hours of prayer daily. That's, that's a fair amount of prayer. And he goes up and he prays alone and his disciples are out there and it's in the fourth watch. What, what watch? The fourth watch. Watch. That's not like a, a, a type of watch. When I mean, you have a Timex, it's not, a, it's not like that. It's, it's between 3 and 6 in the morning is the fourth watch of the night. In fact, for many of you, uh, if, you're, if you're really hungry, get into the Word a little bit. Do a little study on the fourth watch. The different things that happen in the fourth watch of the night between 3 and 6. And all of you intercessors, you know what the fourth watch is? Because that's usually when God wakes you up in the middle of the night to pray. And that's a, that's a global intercessor reality. Intercessors frequently are awakened at between three and six. It's almost always the fourth watch of the night. Why is that? I'm not sure. Some have said that that's the, the time where there's the largest amount of demonic activity. I don't know. But Jesus did a bunch of stuff in the fourth watch, and he certainly did something great here. This storm whoops up, and they're terrified. They're totally freaked out. And I think we would be freaked out. Has anybody been freaked out uh, in a boat? My first trip to Alaska, I came to the Bering, went to the Bering Sea, Dutch Harbor. It's not the end of the earth, but I think you can see it from there. I was at Dutch Harbor working on a long lining uh, for Pacific Cod, long lining vessel with a crew that was about 40%, maybe, yeah, about 40%, 30, 40% Norwegians. And uh, the rest of the folks were basically drug addicts from Seattle that uh, were some of which were just out of jail. And except for, uh, except for the engineer, he was a hard-working fishing guy. And 
And the captain, you know, he, he wasn't really a drug addict. He was an alcoholic, though. So, so, I mean, the whole crew, except for the Norwegians, God, thank God for them, were just a bunch of reprobates. And we went out of Dutch Harbor in January. I didn't know anything about being at sea. I mean, that's the first time I saw those, uh, you know, those brown boots. What are they called? Extra toughs. Yep, I had my insulated extra toughs, and you know, had my rain gear. And it's the first time I'd seen any boots like that. First time I'd ever been out in any kind of experience like that. And we we went out from Dutch Harbor and got stuck in a storm with thirty to forty foot swells, where. If it wasn't tied down, it was exploding on the ceiling. You had to tie yourself in your bunk. I mean, I was thrown out of my bunk. I remember going up to the wheelhouse and uh, being allowed to be in there. We couldn't fish. It was so rough. We couldn't fish. And being in the wheelhouse and literally you're like looking into the, wa- the ocean and the next minute you're on top of it. And I mean, like, you can't even imagine unless you've actually been at sea. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Seasick? I, I don't even, I, that's a new definition of seasick for me. I, I, in fact, I've never actually, I might need healing right now. Jesus, help me. <laughs> for seven days I was sick. I couldn't, I could not, I never, you know, you'll get your sea legs, you know, after three days. Not me. I didn't get any sea legs. I was newly saved, just given my heart to Jesus. Hadn't really been to church at all. Brought my Bible. I remember, I remember the, the, the guy that I was sharing our, our bunk with, uh, you know, the room there. He had just gotten out of prison. He was the cook, and he had gotten born again in prison. And I will never forget, we're going through this storm. I'm so sick, and I'm sitting in my bunk, and he's got his Bible out. And all he is saying, this is all he's saying. I had no idea what, what it meant until later. He's crying. And with tears running down his face. He's like, it's not as bad as Job. It's not as bad as Job. It's not, it's not as bad as Job. I'm like, what's Job, dude? It's just not as bad as that. It's not as bad. I'm like, oh, shut up, man. I thought we were going to die. And they sent me out to break ice. Does anybody know what that is? What'd they call me? Greenhorn or green something? They called me green something. I, I don't know what it was. Greenhorn. Yeah. Hey, Greenhorn. Let me call you by your name. Greenhorn. I'm like, yes. I'm like, I wonder, what is that? You know, do I have horns? What, what's the trip? I knew I was green. That I knew from being seasick. They give you an ax handle, a hickory handle or a baseball bat. I think it was hickory handles, like axe handles. And, and they, I remember them opening the door, and I mean, it's not safe. You know what I mean? Like, we're talking danger, danger, danger. You know, I'm, I hardly knew the Lord, but I think, I'm thinking, Jesus, I have a problem. I don't know if I'm going to survive. And they send a seasoned guy out first who steps outside the hatch and starts breaking ice so he can stand on the steel and starts breaking ice all around him. And before you know it, there's enough room for two guys. And before you know it, there's enough room for three and then four and then five. And before you know it, we're all out there swinging. I almost went overboard. I, I, I know what it is to be in a storm. This is what that was like minus the ice. 
They're, they are terrified. There's a storm. It's contrary. I'm so thankful that Jesus comes walking into your life. Walk, I'm so thankful that Jesus came walking into my life. I'm so thankful that he saved me, healed me, set me free. Come on, he comes into the storms of your life, and he will deliver you and bring you through. So they're terrified. I mean, they're afraid, and then they see him walking on the water. And he said, take courage, it's I. Take courage. How is it that Peter got to walk on the water? Other people didn't walk. How is it Peter got to walk on the water? Five things I see. First one, he had vision. He had vision right there. Verse 25, 26. He saw... Oh, you closed it on me. I'll get it. Matthew, where are we? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Matthew. cried out to him in fear. Peter answered and said, Lord, if it's you, command me to come. New King James, command you to come in the water. And he says, come. He had vision. He somehow, he saw that Jesus was walking on the water and had a revelation that if Jesus was walking on the water, he could walk with him. It's kind of like when, when, when the, when Dr. Morocco was, is it hot in here? I thought I'm having hot flashes. Because my wife and I are one flesh. Amen. So we have hot flashes occasionally. Hallelujah. If we crack the door. Okay, if you want trying to score points with your wife, don't do that. That's that's bad. All right? Just Jesus help me. Where am I? The disciples saw the disciples saw Jesus, but they were crippled with fear. When Peter saw Jesus, he was encouraged to ask for faith. He was encouraged to ask for a word and responded in faith. You've got to see what Jesus is doing. And fear will try to grip you when you move in faith. Fear will try to grab you and strangle you out. But faith will move past that. You've, you've got to ask God to give you faith. And if you can't see, to the degree that you can see, is the degree that faith will be released. Somebody said to me, how, did you, how do you get up there and preach to people? Um, I, I, I just love, oh, that's so, that's like the wind of the Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. I love doing what I'm doing, but do you know there was for a, for a while, I just couldn't even imagine talking to anybody like this. But when I knew that God called me, what began to happen is I began to have my a godly imagination. And I would, I, would, I would envision what it is to talk to people. And before you know it, I was in a van talking to 13 tourists as a tour guide. And that became my little congregation. And you've got to have vision. You've got to see. 
You've got to see what Jesus is doing. God is doing more in this hour around the world than, than has ever been done in the history of the world. Some say that, that the nation of Islam is growing and then that Muslims are growing faster than, than Christianity is a lie from the pit of hell. It's flat out not true. There's a book I've encouraged you to read at other times called The Church is Bigger Than We Think. I think it's by Barna. People are getting saved at an unprecedented rate. There are more miracles, especially outside the Western church, more people being raised from the dead, people being healed, people being delivered, people being set free. It is remarkable what God is doing. You've got to see Jesus and what he's doing, what he did before he can do now. And if he did it through Peter, he can do it through you. You just have to see, you have to have vision. Peter had vision. Without vision, my people perish, it says. Don't let fear grip you have vision vision will increase as vision increases faith will increase and you begin to do something for the lord don't let your response of fear come the enemy uses fear to bind you god will give faith confident assurance of what you cannot see you step out vision's the key of doing anything in your life he not only had vision he had passion Peter had passion. It got him in trouble from time to time. He had passion. You can have vision, but if you don't have passion, you're in serious trouble. You, you, got, you got to get moving. Passion will move you. you got to, vision will move you too. A burden will move you. But you have to have passion to move forward. He had passion. If there's no passion, then vision will not be brought to fruition. You got to have fire. You got to have fire. Come on, how's your passion level? Passion that doesn't wake you up in the morning is small. If you can't get up in the morning to get up to pray, to seek the Lord, to pray, and you can't get up in the morning because you're just too tired, really the truth is you're too tired not to get up. Did you follow that? If you're too tired to get up to pray, you're too tired not to get up to pray. Something else is wrong. You've got to get a passion from God. If you don't have passion, you'll never do anything. He had a desire to be with Jesus. He had a desire to say, well, I want to do what you're doing. The third thing is he heard Jesus say, come. It's crucial to have vision. It's crucial to have passion. But if you don't hear his voice, you'll go right off a cliff. You can have vision, you can have passion as he directs you. You have, there's ongoing communication between you and God, the good shepherd. And he speaks, his sheep know and hear his voice. So you've got to have, you got to have vision. You got to know that what God did in the past, he can do now. He wants to use you to heal the sick, set the captives free. He wants you to use, he wants to use you. He wants to use us to see a massive revival in the state of Alaska. He wants to use us to see the United States set on fire. He does. That's vision. He wants to use us to see 120 churches by May. He wants to use us to do that. Okay, that's the vision. But you have to get passion to get up to pray, passion to move forward to contend, passion to give and to release resources. You got to have passion, but you have to hear from the Lord. Now, we had an interesting thing happen. We've done these egg hunts on and off for years. We were slated to do an egg hunt. We could potentially have about 3,000 people. We've had 3,000 people or so show up before. It's usually not so good when 3,000 show up. A little bit hard to handle thousands though and that's not exaggerating 
However, we just felt checked over the past couple days. I mean, we were slated to do it. We're ready to go. But, but Minister Chris began to feel a check in his spirit, and so did I. He talked to me. We talked to Jesus. We spent time. We felt like God wants to go ahead and get us outside the four walls of the church. So we started to step in the direction of this egg hunt thing. Eggs are fundamentally from hell. Uh, but we used them as bait, all right? It's bait. You just bait? Yeah, we bait little kids and families to come in and tell them about Jesus. Amen. The real reason for Easter. And so we felt checked. And so we scratched it basically today. It's just, we, we, we're, we're not doing an egg hunt. The cost, the, there's a number of things I feel checked about getting the eggs on time. You don't get the eggs on time when you plan for this big thing. It's a problem. And we, I think the Lord is saving us from a potential tragedy. Well, it wouldn't be a tragedy, but, you know, a potential problem. And so we felt God speak to us. Yeah, we got vision. Oh, we got passion. Going to do the eggs. We're 50,000 eggs. We're That's passionate, man. We're going to rock it, right? Okay. But he spoke to us really. Ho, 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 ho. And we, we pulled up. We're doing something else crazy. But we're not doing the eggs. You got to hear God's voice. You got to hear what he says. You've got to hear what the Lord says. He heard, you can walk on the word. When God says, do this, then you do it and you get God results. It doesn't have to make sense. Many times it doesn't make sense to me. We're going to fulfill this vision. We have vision. You got to have a vision of what Jesus is going to have a vision for your life. Individually, corporately, you got to be part of a vision. I love what doctor says. You got to have a vision bigger than yourself. Be a part of a vision bigger than yourself. Secondly, you got to have passion. Thirdly, you must hear God's voice. There comes moments in life when, you, when God will speak to you. You're willing to put everything on the line. He could have drowned. Do you understand? Do you understand the dude is in the boat? He's in the boat. Jesus, bid me to come. Come, Peter. Okay. This moment, that must have been like, you know, pretty heavy. You're in a boat. Come to me, Peter. He asked Peter to do something he cannot do. You will never see the miraculous until you step into a place that you can't do it. Look, why would God send an angel to intervene on your behalf if the very thing that you're doing is what you could do on your own flesh? Let me, let me run that through one more time. Why, why, why would God send angelic intervention and the miraculous to help you do something that you could do? If you could do it, do it. Right. But he calls us to get out of the boat. He calls us to move in vision and passion to hear the word of the Lord. To not be gripped with fear, to be moved by faith. And there's times when he says, lay everything on the line. What's he saying to you? What's he saying to you about your family, about your life? What is he saying? What's he calling you to do? There's moments when you are going to lay everything on the line. And I think that's what Peter did. I don't know if he got to think about it. If he's just so crazy and passionate, he just jumped and hoped that the Lord would catch him. But he did. He got out. He, he took action. It's number 
Number four, he took action. Take action. Do something. You have a free will. If something's going to happen, you're going to have to get, you're going to have to get behind it and do it yourself. I mean, you have to get involved. I don't mean the do-it-yourself part, but you can become a catalyst. You become a catalyst for, for God to show up and pour out. Come on, if my people who were called by my name will humble that, that does, if, 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 it's conditional. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. How many of you know, you have to humble yourself. Turn from their wicked ways. He's not going to make you turn. You turn. You decide, I'm going to get out of the boat. You decide, I'm going to turn. I have to decide, hey, I'm going to get out of the boat. I'm going to do this thing. Okay, okay, Jesus, Jesus come, I'm going to do it. And you're walking on the water. God will do miracles for you, but you've got to get going. You have vision. You've got to have passion. You've got to hear his word. And you've got you to take action. Everybody say, get going. Got to take action. And now we know that he sank. <laughs> I hate that part, but isn't that just like us? You know, if you constantly look at your circumstances, you're gonna, you, it's going to be difficult. To keep walking on the water, you've got to focus on Jesus, not on the wind and the waves. Quit looking at the wind and the waves. Don't look at them. Just don't look at the wind and the waves. Because if you look at the wind and the waves or the circumstances of life, they can grip you with fear because you have no idea how you're going to make it. If we looked at the wind and the waves in this ministry, we never would have bought, we never would have bought the 16 acres that we purchased. If we'd never bought the 16 acres, we wouldn't have sold the 16 acres, wouldn't have released those millions of dollars to buy that property in Oahu that we're now in the midst of this amazing miracle. If you missed this morning, then, then you missed it. We're in the midst of this amazing miracle with that. And we wouldn't be positioned now to go back over to take that land actually to set up an apostolic training center at a church that never closes. It's, it's kind of creepy at times. It's a little terrifying. You've got to, you know what I've found? <laughs> just, just, just look on the Lord. Just fall so crazy in love with him. When I lose, when I lose my gaze, I have to fix my gaze on him. When I, when I begin to look, it's, it's like, whoa, no good. Jesus, help us. You kind of go, okay, okay, Lord. Just have a locked gaze with him. Yeah. And then you can walk on water. You can do all kinds of stuff. Don't look on your circumstances. All right. Worship team, would you come? God, I believe, is challenging you, challenging me. To hear his voice and to take action. What does, that, what does that mean for you? You know, I think it's for us. It's doing the outreach at Easter. It's, it's doing the different conferences and things God spoke to us to do. It's doing visitation. It's continuing to do the very things that we've been believing for. But more than that, we're going to start this, this prayer, this house of prayer. We're going to start this house of prayer on the property. The, the, the barn is ready. I mean, we got to put paint. we got to do some different things. But we're going to believe God to have a 24-hour house of prayer. Do you have the staff to do that? I don't have enough staff to do what we're already doing. Hello? You say, do you have, do you, do you have staff to do that? No, no, no. no. We're, we're already really stretched. Do, do you have the, the finances to do it? 
I mean, we're already believing God for everything we're doing. We're already walking on the water. How, well, the, how are you going to have a 24-hour house of prayer? I have no idea. I just know he wants to do it. So I'm going to put my foot in it just like we did with everything we ever done. And I know that as we do that on that property, we've, you know, we've just kind of been hindered a little bit. Just some different sticky things, nothing major. But I know as we put our foot in that thing, it's going to light a fire in the spirit. We're, we're going to, we have to possess that land. We got to get on it. Amen. I wanted to break ground in spring. We're a little delayed. I'm believing God to break ground. We got to break ground. And now it's not going to be in the spring. We don't have our design all set. And you can't rush that process. You rush your design. You build something you wish you didn't build. And you're like, oh, Jesus, I wish we all. Oops. Yeah, we're not doing oops. Amen. I've done that. That's no fun. Oops is like, oh, Lord. Please forgive us for not building the right building with a couple, you know, four or five million dollars. Lord, sorry. No, that's not what we're doing. That good. We're going to get the plan. We're getting the plan from God. It takes a little bit of time. And we're contending for that. We've, how are you going to do a 24-hour house of prayer in a barn? That Some people told us we should just throw it out. Got to put a new roof on it and different things. You start. You get out of the boat. Some of you got to get out of the boat, man. Some of you got to get out of the boat. You're stuck in the boat. You might sink. Just saying. You don't want to sink. You got to have vision. You got to have passion. You got to hear the word of the Lord. Come. You can walk on his word. Come. You got to take action. Don't look at the circumstances. Don't look at the wind and the waves. Will you, will you do something for Jesus? Will you get out of the boat? Will you be like a Peter? Will you do it? What does that mean for you? For some of you, it's coming to morning prayer. For others of you, it might be just opening your Bible and beginning to read again in the morning like you used to do when you were on fire when you first gave your heart to Jesus. For others of you, it's opening your home so you could have a small group in your house. Others of you, it's actually becoming part of the leadership team. Some of you, it's tithing. You don't tithe. You refuse to tithe. And you wonder why you've got strife. Your wife talks to you and you're like, no, I'm not doing it. It's because you're an idolater. you, you got to get free. It's just money's more important than obeying God. And that was me. She was like, oh, tithing? That's awesome. Let's tithe. I'm like, what? What are you talking about? We weren't married, but I mean, she, as soon as she heard about it, that's instant makes sense, writing checks, doing the deal. I'm thinking, huh, I've known the Lord longer than her. What's the trip? She instantly tithing, instantly blessed, instantly elevated, God blessing her. And, I, and there I am struggling with 10 cents on a dollar. I'll never forget the Lord speaking to me. The problem's not with the church and with the people. You are the problem. You have a money problem. You have a spirit of poverty. You're broke and you owe hundred plus thousand dollars and there's no way you're ever going to get free. Obey me, son. I thought, all right. Reluctantly, God loves a cheerful giver. I guess, you know, he wasn't digging my cheerful giver. I didn't have any cheer. I obeyed reluctantly 
but he got me in the heartstrings, see. He got me in a place where I was just so tired of breaking his heart. I, mean, I was just so tired of hurting the Lord and disobeying. I just thought, gosh, it's another thing now. Okay, I don't want to hurt you anymore. I just want to obey. I'm obey. I began to obey. And God began to elevate me. And you know, he could have wiped out my debt instantaneously in the first year. It's fascinating that he didn't. He allowed us to be faithful. He gave us grace year in, year out. Sacrificially giving, getting out of the boat, tithing, believing God. Year in, year out. Year in, year out. I was getting paid under the, ca- under the table. When somebody ever says that to me, I go, <laughs> I laugh when somebody says, oh, dude, I got this awesome job under the table. What does that mean? So I had this job under the table. I'd worked it for about a year and I came skipping into church. So happy. I mean, on fire. Couldn't wait. Doctor's going to preach fire, revival, people healing. I'm like, yes. Church was the biggest party for me. Still is. I came skipping in and I see um, uh, this couple. They're no longer in our church. I think they moved to Arizona. Remember their name? The Morgans. And she says, she says, Daniel, you sure look happy. I said, man, God is so good. I said, I'm free. I'm delivered. I'm saved. I got this really hot girlfriend. Man, the Lord loves me. Actually, I guess you were my wife. So you're still hot. Amen. Give me some skin. Chronologically, I get confused sometimes. But you're still fine. So they said, oh yeah? I said, yeah, and I got this great job. I'm making tons of money, making more money than I ever had in my life. I'm tithing. I just love the Lord. God's got this great plan. I'm getting paid under the table, man. Under the table. She goes, Daniel, you still have to pay taxes. I was like, "Eh, what? You still have to pay taxes. I thought, what do you mean? You give to Caesar what is Caesar. Give to God what is God's. You're getting paid cash? I said, yeah. You still have to pay taxes, son. I thought, okay. I lost my buzz. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I just suddenly didn't feel the joy. And I thought, I've just worked a whole year making 800 to 1,000 bucks a week as I worked overtime, getting paid cash. That adds up, baby, 33%. Do the math on that. 52 weeks at 33. I mean, we're talking some, we're talking some cash. Okay, I'll never forget tax time. Here comes the paper. Do your taxes. I'm like, I'm sitting there going, how much did you make? Uh, 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 uh. Are you going to lie? Are you going to tell the truth? Are you going to serve God? Or are you going to lie, manipulate? Is God big enough to take care of your need? And so I sat there and I just thought, oh, Jesus, they'll never know. They'll never know. The guy is not turning anything in. There's no record, Lord. Obey. And I wrote down the whole figure. And I turned it in. It was like somebody just making your own noose. Here's your noose. There you go. The IRS came after us. Y'all know the deal. Some of you do. 
some of you have had your, your buzz has just been crashed also because you're being paid under the table and now you realize you have to pay taxes. Ha, ha, ha. We didn't have the 20 plus grand to pay. And so we just turned it in and thought, well, let the chips fall. We were living check to check. And you know, God came through for us. He not only came through for us on that, he came through for us on every single thing in our lives. And over $100,000 in debt, God, because somehow by his grace and by the encouragement of people next to us, there's no, no paragon of virtue here. We just didn't want to disobey and just kept showing up. We learned how to get out of the boat and, and, and stumbled and tripped and kept obeying and kept getting out of the boat. He kept catching us. And do you know what God did? Although it took 16 years of faithfulness in that. And in one day, in one day, he wiped out the remaining part of my debt, delivered me completely, and put zeros in all of my, and all of my debt is totally wiped out. In one day, just a couple years ago. And you guys, some of you guys know the story. Three days later, he gave us a house. I said three days later, he gave us a house. I didn't say I bought one. I said he gave me one. And, and it just goes on and on like that. We, we live what we're trying to teach to you. If you don't ever get out of the boat, you will never see that. You wonder, I had somebody said that, oh, Christianity is so boring. Are you, are you kidding me? Are you kidding? It's like the most incredible. If, if you're bored, there's something walk wrong with your walk. A bored believer is a weak believer. If you're bored in your life, then you'll be more subject to sin. Some of you need to get out of the boat. Come on. Just get out of the boat and begin to walk on the water and believe God. Get a vision bigger than yourself. Get some passion. Stir yourself up. Hear the word of the Lord. Take action. Don't look at circumstances. Can you say amen? And what you do, what we do will affect many. If you don't get out of the boat, you know, it's more, I've I've learned this. It's more than just about your life. It's about all the lives you'll touch if you'll obey. It's more than about my life, about my family, and about my my wife and my family. God's got us. We're good. It's about the thousands upon thousands of people that'll be healed, that'll be delivered, that'll be set free, that'll walk into the kingdom. If I obey, if you obey, if I get out of the boat, if you get out of the boat, if we get out of the boat, God will release his power in this land like we have never seen before. Will you do it, though? Will you do it? That's the question. Come on, stand up on your feet. Lift your hands to heaven and call on his name tonight. Come on, just call on it. Call on his name tonight. If you've been gripped by fear, you rebuke that thing tonight. Rebuke fear. Ask God to touch you. Ask God to just breathe fresh passion into your life. In Jesus' name, Pastor Alex, come and lead us. Come on, lift your voice.
tonight in the closing of this service. You say, Pastor, I'm in. I'm pushing my chips to the middle of the table and I'm gonna get out of my boat. Whatever that means for you, like I said, it could be opening your Bible again in the morning and beginning to read and spend some time with them over a cup of coffee for 10 minutes. That could be getting out of the boat for you. It doesn't matter what that is, but you're saying tonight, you're saying, I am not gonna be gripped with fear. I'm gonna get out of the boat. Listen, I'm getting out of the boat on another level. I'm just getting in on this. Deep, bigger boats and bigger waves, but he's still able to keep you on the water. You hear the word of the Lord to say, come. You're saying, yep, I'm going to do it. I'm going to, I'm going to get a vision bigger than myself. I'm, I'm locking in. I'm going to be a part of it. I'm going to, I want my passion to be stirred up. I'm going to hear his voice. I'm going to take action. I'm not going to look at circumstances anymore. Look, if you're constantly looking at the wind and the waves, you're considering the clouds, you'll never sow. Come on, God is able to prosper you. God is able to help you wherever you're at. But you've got to take action. You've got to commit. Don't be gripped with fear. Let faith move you. If that's you, you say, I'm going to get a 2015. I'm all in. We're getting out of the boat. We're going to do whatever God tells us to do. We're committed. Then come to the front as a statement of that. Come on. getting out of the boat I'm asking you tonight to increase my vision to increase my faith that I would hear your word and respond I would not look at circumstances the wind and the waves I would fix my gaze upon you you would use my life to impact and change many I'll not be moved by fear and greed I'll be moved by faith and generosity come on put your hands together for Jesus some here tonight you've gotten out of the boat before but it was like you just did it's like you had weights on your feet you just sank right straight to the bottom don't let wounded faith hold you back share share what God's got on your heart to move to do don't don't there's wisdom in a multitude of counsel just don't jump out of the boat I mean you got to hear God's voice you got to hear his continued direction together as a church, one church in many locations, we're going to see tremendous things happen. And right from, right from this house, God's raising up a mighty army. Can you say amen? 
of water walking disciples. I'm going to be a water walker. Anybody else? Put your hands together for Jesus one more time. Take someone by the hand all across this place. We'll close service and we're just going to hang out for those of you that would like to do that. And uh, our year-end meeting will start here shortly. Father, thank you for what you've done today. All day long. You're in this fourth service. Use us to bring and effect change in our state, in the valley. We'd have vision, we'd have passion. We'd hear your voice. We'd take action. We'd not look at our circumstances. And we would see the supernatural power of heaven released on the job, in our homes, in the church, outside the church. We'd not shrink back from laying hands on those who were sick and just praying a prayer of faith. We won't shrink back from giving you opportunities to step in to a very simple prayer and manifest healing to someone, to see miracles be released or salvation. God, we thank you. You know, I challenge you, do something crazy this week. What does that mean? Why? Well, I mean, you know, I don't know what it is for you, but do something that's bold. Be bold in your witness to God. If you've never shared your faith with somebody, there's there's uh, little witnessing cards out there. Just, just correct one of those. You just got to read it to somebody. It's simple. Just read it. Stop somebody and say, can I read you something? And then read it. You know, you might want to read it before you read it to them. It helps, but witness to somebody if you've never if you've never tithed start tithing if, you, if you've what you know what is the crazy radical thing that god's calling you to do some of you need to break out man will you do it take the challenge go for it some of you it's taking your wife on a date amen that's crazy amen be bold be bold in your witness be bold, be passionate, be bold. Some of you is showing up to morning prayer. It starts Tuesday night, Tuesday morning. Showing up to morning prayer might be a crazy, radical thing to do. Amen. How about coming to a Wednesday night service? That might be like, wow, you've never done that. Wednesday night's off the chain, man. Wednesday night's crazy. It's, in fact, Wednesday is our biggest service. Did you know that? Our sing, single biggest service is Wednesday night. It's amazing what God's doing here. Amen. It's awesome. All right. Pastor Alex, would you close us? Come on, pray for the person on your right and person on your left. Father, we just thank you tonight, Lord, for the word that was shared. Lord, the experience of your power tonight, we thank you. God, we just ask that as we go, God, you continue to release faith in us, Lord. Jesus. We would be water walkers, Lord. That we'd not hide in the boat. We'd not be held by fear, gripped by fear, Lord. But we'd do it afraid. We do that which is what you're calling us to. Lord, not what other people are doing, but what you've called us to do. Lord, you spoke to us tonight. Now release the provision. Release the faith. 
the resources, Lord, that is needed. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you'd bless these families. God, every husband, every wife, every child, every mother, every father tonight, I pray, Lord, that you would touch them. Lord, in their homes, that they would, they would cultivate your presence. Lord, that your power would be released in their Hallelujah. homes. Lord, I pray that you'd be glorified through every single person here this week. Lord, have your way in the mighty name of Jesus. Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for listening to King's Chapel, Alaska and Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passion is making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's life call and help us to be the personal, powerful, and permeating church God's called us to be. Get in touch with us anytime at 907-357-2065, 907-357-2065, or online at kcalaska.com, kcalaska.com. Friend us on Facebook and follow Pastor Daniel's tweets at Alaska Revival.